We have been adopted into God's family. We have become one in Jesus Christ our Lord. And he has indwelt us with his Holy Spirit of promise. We have been sealed with the Spirit of promise. He is our guarantee of our future inheritance until we stand with our Lord and see him face to face. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at the God's mighty power toward us, His great power toward us, that is available to us today as believers in Jesus Christ. Because it's been given to us through the ages, it's a message that's available to us today. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, in that great love passage, he said, as he closed out that chapter, he said, but now abides faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Because the revelation, when we get to heaven, we won't need faith anymore. It's not a faith or belief in God. We'll see Him face to face. It'd be putting faith into something. There's a sense of, there's this unsurety, but there's this trust, this faith. I have faith every time you sit down in these chairs. You have faith that that chair is going to support you, hold you up. You're not going to collapse, fall on your hind end. You have faith. You've just come to know it, to trust it. But there's this faith that we have in Christ. There's the surety that comes with it in our lives. But it's also a hope we're looking forward to because Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life we have hope in Christ, only we are of most men the most pitiful. If this hope in Christ is only for this life and it does us no good once we die, then we're wasting our time. But... When we see Christ, faith goes by the wayside because we see him hope. We're not hoping someday I'll be in heaven. We'll be in heaven. But love will always remain, his great love toward us. So he prays that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He prays that they would know the hope of God's calling toward them. And he also prays, that they would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So often here in America, it seems like we're, we're worried about the here and now. But Paul is saying, man, there's a future glory. There's a future richness in the inheritance that God has waiting for us. In one sense, we are 
as saints. We are Jesus' inheritance. But this inheritance is also our future reward. That we've already looked at it here in the first chapter in verse 11. It tells us, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In verse 14, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until redemption. We have a future inheritance in Christ Jesus. The riches of the glory of his inheritance. You know, I'm so glad that this isn't it. I'm glad that the older I get, that I have this hope that I can look forward to. I'm so glad that there's a future hope. That once we get beyond this flesh, there's a future hope that our Lord has in store for us. That we might know the riches of the glory of his inheritance. And then verse 19, this is a wonderful verse. I don't know, but if I were you, I would star it, I would underline it, I would put a big square around it in your Bible because Paul builds in this verse, and I don't know how much more he could have added to it, but he talks about this great and mighty power of God that he has toward us. And this is what he says, that they may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. There are six words that he used in this one verse that all can be translated in some sense as strength or as power. And they are the words exceeding greatness, power, working, mighty power. And every Greek word is a different Greek word. He didn't repeat anything. He just kept building and building upon. He's building to a climax in this statement of God's great power that he is working toward us. He begins with the word exceeding. It means to be beyond measure or extraordinary. This immeasurable power that God has toward us. The greatness there is a word that's only found in the Greek here in the New Testament. We get our word mega from it, but it's talking about a a magnitude or the outstanding greatness of God's power. The word power there is dudamus. It means a force, a strength. It's the same word that Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in Acts 1.8, He will give you power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This force, this strength, words that have been translated out of this. Deutimus is dynamic, it's dynamite, it's huge, but he's still building. He says that he's working in us. It's this energy, this activity that gives a sense. It's a continual working, a continual activity that God is working toward us. It's mighty. It's a forcefulness. In the King James, they've translated it ability, might, mightily, power, strength, and it is power. A different Greek word, kratos, is used there. It, it speaks about the might of his strength toward us. F.B. Meyer wrote this about this verse. He said, it is power. It is his power. It is great power. Nothing less would suffice. Exceedingly great power beyond furthest cast of thought. 
What is the exceedingly greatness of his power toward us? Well, remember, he began this whole passage in verse 15 with a therefore. And we, in looking back in verses 3 through 14, which we looked at two weeks ago, we find God working in our past, present, and future. And we found in verses 3 through 14, just to summarize it, that as believers in Jesus Christ, God has chosen us. He has predestined us. He has accepted us. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ that we have been redeemed. And by the grace of God, our sins have been forgiven. Our redemption has unveiled the mystery of God's will toward us. We have been adopted into God's family. We have become one in Jesus Christ our Lord. And he has indwelt us with his Holy Spirit of promise. We have been sealed with the spirit of promise. He is our guarantee of our future inheritance until we stand with our Lord and see him face to face. This great power that he has worked toward us, even a greater power, is displayed in his description of this power, which is found in verses 20 through 22. We think about great power in the, in the world. We think about great power that God had. Well, the power of creation, that's pretty big. God created this whole earth out of nothing. Everything that man does, he's creating out of something. He's always taking something and making something out of something, right? He's combining a bunch of little somethings to get one big something. Your car is a combination of a, a lot of ingenuity and thought. But it's taking metals, it's taking alloys, it's taking all these things and putting them together. But God's creative power is pretty big. How about the power to divide the Red Sea when the children of Israel were standing there and the Egyptians were behind them ready to pursue them? Quite a bit of power. You know, I've stood in front of a lot of water and uh, I've never taken a staff. I've never even dared to take a staff and to raise it up and, and to ask God to divide it. I want to walk across. In fact... I've never even dared to step out on the water like Jesus did and to walk on the sea or to walk on top of the water. I'm very comfortable inside a boat. But think of the power. Even in the Bible, we have in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the power of resurrecting people from the grave. But everyone who were resurrected from the grave, they would live to die again. But in verses 20 through 23, we have God working this mighty power in Christ Jesus, in his resurrection. And his resurrection is unique from all others because he lived to die no more. This same power. And this is what Paul is trying to get into our heads, into our minds. This same power that worked to resurrect Christ from the grave is the same power that is available to us today through Christ Jesus. The same power, he says in verse 20, which worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. The same exclusive power that God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. It's a resurrection like none other before it and none since. He has been resurrected to live forevermore. And this same power is available to us today. This same exclusive power which 
God worked in Christ when he seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Now, we're going to be resurrected one day to live forevermore. We're not going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. That is an exclusive place and position. But what Paul is saying, the same power that placed Christ at the right hand of the Father, this power is available to us today. He's been there at the right hand of the Father, seated above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, that every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. The age which is to come is referring to the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ upon this earth. Christ is all-powerful, been placed in that dominion. But God did even more so than that. He exclusively worked in Christ when he put all things under his feet. Not just some things, everything underneath the feet of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus earned that right because of his obedience to the Father and his death upon the cross. But it's through his resurrection that we see the fullness of this power being unveiled toward us. And then God also worked in Christ when he gave him to be head over all things, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills all in all. Not only did God put all things under Christ's feet, but he made Christ to be the head over the church. And we are his body. Greater power than that which to create this earth, which we would think that's great power. Greater power than to take the Red Sea. It's not been duplicated apart from uh, the miracles of God to bring the Red Sea out and make dry land for the Israelites could cross over and then the Egyptians, when they attempted it, drowned as the waves came back over them. Greater power than was seen in the resurrection of the dead for those who would live and die again. This great resurrection power that is over Christ. He's risen from the grave to live forevermore. All power, all might, all dominion placed underneath him. All things under his feet. He is the head of the church. And yet this exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power this is available to us today. I don't know what you're currently going through in life, but God has made available to us, church, a magnitude of power. Now, I will never preach to you that all you do is have faith. If you have enough faith, nothing will ever go wrong. Paul is writing these words when he's in prison. Things didn't always go right for Paul. He had been beaten. He had been whipped. He had been shipwrecked. He said at one point, a day and a night in the sea. Not just shipwrecked, but floating around in the middle of the sea, wondering if he was going to make it to shore. It's not that everything was always perfect in his life. In fact, he had much suffering, much tribulation. But with all that going on in his life, he also knew the power. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Paul preaching and seeing that someone was there that had faith to be healed and to stop his message and say, God wants to heal you right now. What it must have been like for him to know the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life at that moment to recognize that 
there was the preaching going on, but God said, I'm going to interrupt your message right now, and I want to heal this person, and to know that. When we were in Hawaii, me and my son did a message together called The Prodigal, and this time, when we did it at his home church, I had him do points two and four. I did points one and three. So we not only shared, we shared the whole message. I did the introduction. I did the closing. I did point one. He did point two, point three, point four. As we went through the message like that, it was my turn. I was up speaking. I was telling the, the story of Jesus, and it didn't even dawn on me. This is how clueless I am. I just wonder if I would have been more spiritually in tuned. It didn't dawn on me until I was listening to the recording later what actually the timing of things that took place. But I was in the pulpit. I was teaching. I was telling the story of what happened to us personally when we were in Israel in Capernaum, when sitting in the synagogue, in the ruins of the synagogue of Capernaum, the Lord uh, spoke to me. Now, I hadn't gotten to that part yet. I was building up to that part. And I was telling the background of um, what Pastor Phil Ballmeyer was teaching that day when we were there and talking about the woman who had the bleeding for 12 years, the little girl who was 12 years old who had died and both reaching out to Jesus. And I said concerning the woman as Jesus was going to the little girl's house that there was an interruption and five words later there was a woman who was passing out in the third row. And we had to get medical attention, and I just pulled back. I stopped. I prayed for her. As far as the service was concerned, I did everything I should have done. Even the pastor's wife, the pastor wasn't there. I was filling in for him that day. But she said, you handled everything well. Because we had to get ambulance to come in and all that stuff. But it was five words after I said there was an interruption. And then suddenly there was an interruption. And I didn't even put the two together. I was talking about one way back then, 2,000 years ago, and the Lord was saying, I'm going to show you one right now while you're teaching. I wonder if I would have been more spiritually in tune. The woman's fine. We prayed for her, and she was at an event that night, so she recovered from what was going on. But it's interesting to me because I looked at that. I was listening to it on the uh, CD as I was listening back to the message and I couldn't believe how close those two events actually were. I was talking about one in Jesus' day, and we were watching it happen just five words later. To be in tune spiritually. Can you imagine what it would have been like to see thousands come to faith when Paul was preaching, or if it was Peter preaching, or John, or Philip, or Stephen, all these who were great men of faith in the Bible. Do you realize the same power is available to us today? We can talk about these things back then as if it's only for them. And I was raised in a church that said, that is not for us today. But I never believed that. I believe it is for us today. His exceeding greatness of his power toward us. Who believe according to the working of his mighty power I believe that power is available to us today. I just want us to also join with Paul and to be praying for one another as a church body that we would be known as a church that has faith in the Lord Jesus and has a love for all the saints. 
that that would be a hallmark of this church. But also, that through faith in Jesus, that we would come to the awareness of the spirit of wisdom, the revelation and the knowledge of him, that we might know what is the hope of our calling, that we might understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us, that we may experience the exceeding greatness of his power, working his mighty power working in us. That we might have that hope in the one who has been not only over the church, but all things under his feet, who is over all principalities, all power, all might, every dominion, every name that's named, not only in the age that we're on, but the age that's to come. This is still true for us today. For two weeks, I've been thinking about this passage. And I'll close with this thought. I think so often we limit the power of God in our life. God has made available this exceedingly mighty power, the power that resurrected Christ from the grave, that set Christ at the right hand of the Father, that put Christ over all things, over the head of the church. The same power is available to us today. And we walk around as believers powerless. Powerless. Because we're not through faith obtaining the power, the riches that Christ has made available to us. You can't make it. You can't fake it. You can't make it happen in your own will. You can't fake these things. There'll be people that could shout and You'd be in certain churches and they could be a Yahoo, I got the power. And You know, if you're just trying to generate it in your own strength, that's your own power. And it is not going to be that mighty. But if we would join together to pray for God's power, our Sunday morning prayer time for God's power, that was the purpose of the prayer time, that we would see a manifestation of God's power in this house, in this place, in our lives. God's power. According to Paul, here in Ephesians chapter 1, it is available to us today. I don't know if we've recognized it. I pray that we would. Father, I pray that you would be with us in this church body. And we ask, Lord, that we would know the magnitude, the vastness of this power that's been made available to us. Lord, not that we would be in such a way that people would be turned off, but Lord, that you'd be doing works through us that would cause people to be attracted to Christ, that we'd be doing things, Lord, that would just be revealing your love through us, that they would know that we are your disciples by our love for one another, by the faith that we have in you and toward you. Father, I, I pray for the power. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray for these things, Lord, that you have made available to us, that we'd have the hope of your calling in our lives, the riches of the glory of this inheritance toward us, that we'd know the power and might and dominion, everything that is under you, that we'd see this great power toward us who believe your wonder-working power. 
Father, open our hearts, our spirits, to perceive and receive this prayer that Paul gave to the church of Ephesus. May it be for us also today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Closing prayer, I was thinking about an old hymn, There's Power in the Blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. That power is available to us today. Name it, claim it. I'm not that type of person. But to ask the Lord to give it to me, I'm willing to do that. Pray that you'd be willing to ask the Lord to do the same thing. Let's, let's just covenant to each other today. And let's just for the rest of the week, let's look at these verses and rehearse them and pray over them this coming week. Let's just see what God does in our lives, in our midst, as we do that. The power is available to us. Let's take advantage of it. Pray that God would bless you, that he would keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.